Welcome, everybody, to the inaugural episode of Portal Talk. Along with me, I've got a stacked lineup of hoopers, hoop minds, just dope dudes in general. So everybody, welcome along with me. Let me introduce my co-cast here. We got Evan Turner, the legend from Ohio State. Adam Jardy, Ohio State's finest, knows everything about everything basketball. And then my man, Sam Maniscalco. Illinois finest. Fellas, how we doing? I'm doing great. I'm good. I'm good. How you doing? It's good, man. Good to see everybody again. Yeah, cool to be here. It is good, man. It's good, man. We have some first-time listeners beyond the Big Ten. Normally, a few of us are a separate podcast, so it's cool to kind of come together and, like, talk about Big Ten in general. It's almost like a little all-star game you have, right? Mid-season, you get to talk to the other guys, top players on the other rosters. Um, but before we get going, I'm one of your other hosts, Kendall Shell. Uh, I'm from Outside the Barn, Minnesota Gophers podcast. Uh, we finished a lot better than the team last year, I will say, in the podcast rankings. But, you know, we're excited to be here, excited to bring bring all these minds together. So first things first, fellas, let's tip it off. Let's talk a little bit about Portal Talk. Um, this is going to be interesting. I think this is going to be fun. I think it's going to be fun because it's a lot like the Portal. There's there's really no rules with it. It's a lot of unknown. We're trying to figure it out right now. And I think that's what it's about to be about to be with us. But uh, let me open it up to you, E.T. You know, we, we have you as a special guest on today. Talk a little bit about the portal right now. Like, what, what does that word mean to you? I feel like just the topic in general is there's a lot of opinions on it. So I, I want to open it up to you and then we'll open it up to the rest of the cast here just to talk through what is this transfer portal that's really changed the landscape of college basketball? Yeah, I just label it as like bittersweet, to be honest with you. You know, it's uh, it's one thing you hate to see certain players leave. You see certain situations like, uh, you know, uh, a Caleb Love from North Carolina, in a sense. He went to Michigan, you know what I'm saying? I love Caleb Love in North Carolina, and now he's going to the team up north. So you hate to see that. But at the same situation, as a former player, you love to see players, you know, take opportunity and get the opportunity to not get penalized and find a better situation for themselves. I think uh, one thing that people forget is, uh, you know, this is this player's career and they have to do what's best for their trajectory and, you know, what's best for them to, you know, get to the next level. And, uh, you know, a lot of these young guys have a dream to uh, step up and be in the right position to be successful and to uh, show what they show what they can do. So I kind of, you know, view it in that way where, you know, I understand it and I hate it, but, you know, it's, it's part of the game now. For sure, man. Sam, you guys got a lot of movement down there in Champaign. What are you thinking about it? Yeah, that's a good point. Bitter, bittersweet is a, is a good word. It's just, it's there, there's two ways to look at it. Kendall, you mentioned when you know in the open, like this is going to be fun, right? Yeah, it's 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 really fun for us to talk about and, and track and all that kind of stuff. But um, from a a team perspective or a coach's perspective and stuff, like it, it's craziness, right? I mean, these guys are are having to recruit their own players every single season yeah. to stick around. Um, so from, from that standpoint, it's wild. It's cool for us to track, right? These, these kids are, are literally clicking a button and able to, you know, be on a different campus within 48 hours and with a different team. Um, so it's wild, right? It's like almost like a, like a free agency thing for, for college basketball players from a player's perspective, it's just so different, right? It changes college basketball. The low majors, the mid-majors now are losing kids. You develop a kid that's a freshman, and he has a semi-decent year. He's looking, if he's at a low or mid-major school, I mean, I lived it. Um, he's going to go look to, to enter the portal and just, just see what he can get and see what kind of traction he gets in there. And then on the other side of it, um, you know, you got a kid that has a good sophomore or junior season at a big school and maybe he's a little disappointing because he wasn't, you know, playing well or didn't get the minutes he wanted. Mom and dad are mad. There's so many different factors that are involved in it. And yes, like you said, Kendall and Champagne right now, three of our better players um, that we had big hopes for developing, you know, over the next few years and, and building a foundation at Illinois, um, they leave. So, and we'll get into more detail about those specific players, but it's just craziness. It's wild. It's uh, it's fun for us to track, obviously, uh, and talk about. Um, but I, I'm not sure it's it's so fun for the you know the athletic department and the, and the men's basketball right. programs in in college. Yeah, kind of imagine piggybacking on that. Yeah, oh, sorry, Ken. I mean to cut you off. 
No, I was just going to say, yeah, imagine being a coach right now. But yeah, I want, I want to open it up to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the exposure for the sport right now, like you guys mentioned, this being kind of like a free agency period almost in college basketball, which creates incredible headaches for every coach. But it also keeps the sport like at the forefront of the conversation right now. I mean, I feel like I heard more talk about the transfer portal in college basketball than I did about like spring football in a lot of cases, which I think is good for the game because you're getting players' names and universities and teams in front of more faces at a time of the year where you normally wouldn't. So I think there's some good there. But to, you know, Kendall, your point about like the craziness for coaches, I think the, the hardest thing about all this is that this the players have the same rights now in some ways that coaches have always had. Like we've always said like, hey, there's that great mid-major coach who's grinding and grinding and he's earned that opportunity to go move up to a, a Big Ten school. Like good for him. He, he got that opportunity. And I think what we're seeing is like players now get that same chance as well. Like if you grind at a, at a mid-major for two years or whatever and you earn that opportunity to go play at that dream school you've always wanted to play at, you should have that opportunity. I think that's that's fair. The, the, the tough thing is the, yeah, re-recruiting your entire roster every year, basically every day in the offseason. Like that's, mm-hmm. I th- the process needs tweaked and maybe this all ends with like players being university employees and you sign a contract. Like, I don't, I don't know where this ultimately ends up, <laughs> but like it, I think there's some tweaks that need to be made, but I think overall it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it's a good point about, about you know coaches being able to in the past when we were playing a coach could like you said just go to another school not have to sit out no repercussions nothing like that and as a player d1 to d1 um obviously you you have to sit out that year and i did that when i went from bradley to illinois now it wasn't a transfer portal i did the graduate transfer thing my senior year because i had a year of eligibility left but i'll be honest if i had to sit out a year i probably wouldn't have transferred so Mm -hmm. um I, th- I think that is a good point as far as that. But there has to be tweaks to it because, like, you shouldn't be able to just click a button and be able to be on another campus in 48 hours. No, and I totally understand it. I think one thing that we also take away from, th- these are children. So sometimes, you know, I correlated with basketball when we used to go through the lockout. Somehow all the onus fell on the players. You know what I mean? And there was no accountability on any of the owners or anybody else in, involved. It all it all seemed like the millionaires were the bad guys and the billionaires were the good guys. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And when it comes down to it, in every job in every world, you always kind of have an end-of-year meeting or end-of-year tune-up or whatever kind of, you know, report or survey in how, you know, how you did. And I feel like uh, I feel like as a coach, you need to put your, your players in the best position to be successful. But at the same time, I feel like this isn't like a lifetime achievement award. Like coaches aren't always right. They might not always make the best decisions. And at the same time, like this may eliminate and make coaches, you know, step their game up and kind of, you know, better, better their approach to things. Because at the end of the day, I mean, the, the saddest stories are the ones where you hear the young kids go have a dream, go to school and just hate it. I know sometimes we always put onus on the players to be doing a terrible job or what did you do wrong? But at the same time, I, some of the dumbest people I ever met were coaches. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so and, and sometimes I look back in certain situations and be like, how did this, how was this person in charge of guiding my future and how serious did he take it? Because at the end of the day, it meant so much to me. And if you know anything in regards to the next level, it's not like you want to do something or sometimes these players want to dip out and go like this, but time is everything. In the NBA, if you're 21 years old, you're viewed as too old to get drafted sometimes. Or that's at least a narrative you're, you're chasing after. So I think like a lot of times uh, we, we isolate these moments, but it all goes into a bigger picture. Sammy, you remember playing. Kendall, you remember playing. And, you know, Adam, you know, writing for a bunch of these players. This is a million-dollar gig where a lot of guys aren't touching even a percentage of what their, their value. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I – I think a lot of times, and that gets blocked off from the situation or survival as well. I came from a situation where, you know, the we weren't the best off. You know what I'm saying? So when you look at a situation like Jameson Battle transferring from Minnesota to the Ohio State, that NIL and those type of decisions, play they play a huge part. You know what I'm saying? And you might not understand it until you walk into that person's house and you're like, dang, they're really living bad. 
or that coach is driving off in a six-figure car and it's like make it make sense you know yeah no i completely agree you you raise up a really good point when it comes to that it's not it's not always on the player i think a lot of times we do assume what did that player do wrong and we do all know a lot of times coaches coaches can be on something that's not quite fair i mean a lot of times Players are young, but a lot of coaches, it could be anything, man. Like, they could just hold a grudge out of nowhere. Or an assistant coach could have gotten a recruit that they didn't want him to get. It's just all little things can come into play. So there are situations where I do think players are, you know, rightful and leaving. And then I do think there are going to be situations where players are going to have their parents calling and it's going to be like, oh, yeah, get out of there. And actually, it might be the player. Like, bro, are you really going hard? Like, are you really doing what you said you were going to do? You know what I mean? So it's going gonna, it's gonna to yeah. be interesting to see. Um, but I, I like what you said about the coaches having to step their game up because I do think it was a my way or the highway approach for a lot of coaches. And I think that approach yeah. can't go any longer. Um, I think we start, we're starting to see that with a lot of the older coaches starting to kind of migrate out the game because I feel like they were more on that type of a coaching style versus I think the younger and newer coaches are more of that players coach type personality where they want to like, you know, understand the player and get them there. Um, But at the same point, you got to, you do need to hold these boys accountable. So it's going to be, it's going to be those coaches that can kind of find that happy medium, I think in the best way possible. Yeah. And coaches, coaches make mistakes all the time recruiting, you know, every single year they get a kid that they think they're going to develop and doesn't turn out right. Um, so now the onus is, is, I mean, you remember our days, like after a season back 15 years ago, and you had a player that a coach missed on one of your teammates that (laughs) everybody knew they didn't want back the following year. What did they do? Right. They kind of quote unquote, ran them out of the program in, in certain way, shape or form. Um, it was the not so great side of the business of college basketball that we we got to see, and I had teammates that happened to right. It was like, hey, in a nice way, like go find a school that um, you 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 would fit in better at than because right now the way we see it, we have a freshman coming in that is going to take your minutes and you're not going to play, um, and it probably wasn't always the easiest conversation, but it happened every right. single year, you know. Now it's a little different as far as it's like, hey, there's a better opportunity for you out there. Go enter the transfer portal. Somebody's going to pick you up, you know. And then with the NIL yeah. stuff, and but I, Evan, I love your comment about <clears throat> you know coaches stepping their game up because you know in the professional world you got people that produce um, employees. You know you want to keep them happy, right? Yeah. You want to take care of them. So now it's the onus is on them to like you got kids that are producing and aren't quote unquote happy totally. Um, find a way to make them happy, right? Yeah. And Coach Mata, Coach Mata, one of the best coaches I've ever been around, always said players play better when they're happy. And, I, and you know, I think one thing that works and players appreciate the most, especially as you get older and you're going from dealing with kids to young men, it's like, like what Kareem Abdul-Jabbar says, you don't manage people, you work with people. And, like, how can we get to this position to get further and make sure, you know, make sure everybody is getting most out of it? Because now at this point, more than ever, with finances involved and everything, these dudes are viewing themselves as a business. And like whether you think so or not, it's like the new part of the game is lobbying every day, working every single day to make sure, you know, you keep your players happy, uh, you keep them working for you, and you keep them, you know, accountable. But then at the same time, you have carryover. <laughs> because at the end of the day, if you don't have carryover, the school's not going to have carryover, and you're going to see direct effect of it. You know, now this is going to be the thing where – Coaches aren't going to be staying in the job for eight or nine years. And you're going to start hearing your wife be like, we're moving again. We're doing this again. We're doing that. You know what I mean? And and that's just a huge adjustment. So, Yeah. I mean, we might have to see more of the NBA type approach, like real like general managers overseeing these yeah. programs and having coaches like that are actual player development coaches and having coaches that are more focused on these brands and like specific programs for like the nil stuff like i think the whole restructure of coaching staffs is going to be something we see real soon here it's going to be about three or four basketball minds but then it's going to be guys that can manage like the players the the egos the personas like i mean you you experienced it you lived at et so it's going to be more so like how you guys lived in the league i i see come forth coming yeah that's and i 
I think it's just amazing too. I, th- I think that one of the biggest changes that's going to develop here over the next few years, once you know, people get more comfortable with the portal, is it totally obviously changes recruiting, right? We remember the days of you know rivals and um, getting recruited and building relationships with the coaching staff. A coaching staff coming into your living room and you're building a relationship over six months, a year, et cetera, and um, you're going to that school because of the relationships you built. Who, what coaches now are going into and their staff are setting up recruiting trips and going into families' living rooms and trying to build a relationship? They don't have to do that anymore. You used to see a list every year, a list would come out of who are the top 10, 15 recruiters in the country, right? You got guys at Kentucky, you got guys at Ohio State, you got guys at Illinois, et cetera, so on down the line. I don't think you're going to see as much as those, those lists anymore because you don't have to go out and recruit because you can dip into the portal now. And if your brand is a Kentucky, your brand is a Baylor, your brand is a school that's been successful the previous few years, you're basically showcasing, your season is showcasing your team and your brand yeah. for a kid in the portal, one of the top five kids in the portal to, to come over to you, right? And then the NIL stuff, right? Who can offer the, the best NIL package for, for a kid that is value and his stock is way up here. But I just it, it just totally changes recruiting in general, right? And that relationship building process that coaches had and staffs had with, with high school kids and, and JUCO kids. You're you know? seeing that already in the Big Ten, I think. You look around at how some of these different coaches are assembling their rosters. I mean, um, like Ohio State has been very committed to still building through recruiting. You know, they had a four, five-man recruiting class last year, four-man recruiting class this year. Uh, Purdue, you think about how Matt Painter t- typically runs things. Like, they're going to bring guys in. They're going to develop them. They're going to get better. You know, Tom Izzo, you know, he, he'll he go to the portal occasionally if he needs to. But, I mean, I think we can all agree he's obviously, you know, a legendary coach. And he's kind of figured out how to keep doing what he's doing even in this new era. And so I think um, – it is very interesting to see the two sort of extremes between do we go the high school route or do we just pass it by entirely and go get that those three kids out of the portal and rebuild year after year after year. And I don't know, we don't have enough data yet to see which one ultimately is the best approach right now, but it's really fascinating to see the different different tactics, roster building to you know what Kendall was saying about different coaching staffs. Like how many schools now start bringing in a GM? or somebody like that to help oversee a roster because, um, you know, that's, that's just so vital right now. Like Evan, when you got to Ohio state, like, you know, we knew what the roster looked like this year and the next year and the next year and the next year, like that, that is gone. That is, that will never come back. And so, you know, ultimately that falls on the head on the responsibility to the head coach because he's the one that's putting the roster together and he's got to pivot every year. But, um, I think at some point you're going to see more more support being given to that avenue of coaching because it's just becoming all encompassing. Yeah, I think the one thing that I actually is a killer that people don't uh, you know foresee is like those two or three year deal contracts that they have with other you know big name schools. You know what I'm saying? Like, say we have West Virginia. West Virginia is going to be tough. They just got you know Kerr Chris or Chris Kerr and a couple other big time guys. Like, say we have a few guys transfer out. That West Virginia rivalry might be a pain in the ass. Or say if we went to Maui again. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's schedules that have already been set up in the unforeseeable future. It's just going to be tough. Yeah. 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 I completely agree, man. I think we'll, we'll, we'll get a little bit more into the topic a little bit later about, um, about that portal. But let's move on to just kind of X's O's of the players. I know we've got a lot of players, a lot of movement already we need to cover. Let's get right into it. Uh, let's start with number one, numero uno. Not from any of our alma maters or, you know, main coverages, but Hunter Dickinson is a big name in the Big Ten. Well, I guess was a big name in the Big Ten. Uh, Hunter Dickinson was mm-hmm. one of the early ones to jump into the portal right now. Looks like he's the best available. So I just want to hear your thoughts on that one, man. Was that a surprise for anyone, you know, on this call? I mean, personally, I thought him and Juwan had a really close relationship. So I'll say first and foremost, I was a little surprised, but... Was anybody else surprised by the Hunter Dickinson move? Yeah, I, I I was very surprised. I'm like, why would you, where are you going? You know what I mean? <laughs> on top of the fact it's like, I mean, on top of the fact as a leader, it's just, you're just sitting here being like, I'm always big on like the, like the head of the snake. Like we do, a, if it's a bad season, it's my fault. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, I just didn't dig that. I'm like, all right, bro, if you don't go anywhere, then go on a high note. You're leaving as a leader of the team. Like, it's not 
like you ain't have something to do with it. Like the, the, the building burned and you just dipped. So, you know, but I respect, you know, a player's freedom of choice and everything. I, I just didn't under, I just didn't understand it. Like stay there, play better and build. Like you're one of the best players in the country, apparently, or so to speak. It should go how you go. You don't need to go follow another band or another platoon. You know what I'm saying? His his jersey was going in the rafters if he stayed, right? I mean, he was going down as in literally all-time program great. I think he could be the all-time leading scorer and rebounder in Michigan history, I think, if he'd come back for one more year. Like, he's been so unbelievably prolific. Um, and he means so much that that program. That that one, yeah. from that aspect, it, it surprised me. I think you look back on the season, and clearly, like, it did not click for Michigan this year. I mean... I had much higher expectations for them than, than what they showed. I, I actually picked them to win the league in the poll that I do every year, which just shows that I know nothing about college basketball. But, I mean, I thought you're building around a... That's the Big Ten in uh, general, I, man. It's just... Yeah, but I was right. like, you've got, you know, uh, Juwan's son, you got Kobe Bufkin, you got uh, Hunter Dickinson. Like, there's enough talent right there. You put a couple pieces around him. That team should should compete. And it never clicked for them. It just never seemed like a year where they were on the same page. And I think when you look at it now and say, well, why is Hunter Dickinson transferring? I think the way the season played out probably gave us some clues that we just missed at the time. Totally. I, I think there's something behind it that we don't know about. Um, like you said, I mean, a guy that has that kind of stats and that kind of career at one specific school, a big school in the Big Ten, um, all of a sudden leaves. I think it speaks to there's something maybe going on behind the scenes, which my point is like, hey, that's a specific situation where you know, and Evan, you said it. I'm all about players' freedom of choice, but it kind of it kind of changes it as far as like what what about the adversity, right? So like, yeah, when we what were playing yeah. freshman year, sophomore year, you know, I had some adversity. I didn't play well, or I only played seven minutes a game, and I thought I, my expectations were to play more. Yada yada yada. I'm not going to fight through that. I'm not going to take the summer to the way I was taught basketball is like you're gonna go through adversity you're gonna go through tough times right and these players are there's gonna be players that don't have a good season teams underachieve right they don't meet expectations right um now there's an easy out button right what kind of lesson is that teaching um as far as i didn't have a good year like hunter dickinson for example and i'm not saying that this is him i'm just using him as an example here yeah like you said adam their team doesn't meet expectations. Some people had him to win the league, right? He had an okay year. I mean, he's one of the best players in the Big Ten. Um, maybe he feels like, I don't want to come back and, and work towards this goal of winning a championship with this team. I'm just going to take the easy way out and see who really wants me, where I can go, and play my last year and make the most amount of money I can, which is totally fine. I think players have that right. But I think there's just certain instances going to be throughout college basketball where whatever happened in the days of, you know what, maybe you're not as good as you thought you were. And in the depth chart, there's a player that's better than you that you got to go beat out for that position. So spend the summer working to get better as a player and come back next year and try to win that position, right? I don't think there's going to be any of that anymore. It's going to be like, you know what, I'm not happy here. I'm not happy with the coach. I'm going to go enter the portal and see where I can go where somebody likes me and wants me. Yeah, and, and, and There's two sides of it, right? No, no, absolutely, and it's tough. And and I know what I said earlier, speaking to, like, you know, putting onus on a coach and not taking it easy on, like, the players and everything like that. But in this situation, it's like when I thought about transferring my freshman year, one thing you might have said was, like, yo, do whatever you want, but, like, ask yourself if you're two feet in. And then it's like if you quit now, you're going to quit for the rest of your life. Right. And they say it's not anything to do with me. It's just legit. If you see an opening because it's too tough, then rock out. If you, if you don't think you can play here, then cool. But if you you think you can play here, you think you can work through it and get to where you want to go, that is a reason to stay. And if you leave that, you know what I'm saying? It's, right. it's and how did the rest of it work out for you? Yeah, I mean, I was. Some say I was the best. I I, I was the best since since Jerry Lucas, right? And no, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it worked out. And I think every individual... And you learned a lot. And you learned right. a lot. You know what I mean? That's the yeah. thing. You know, like every individual situation is different, right? So yes. you can't handpick and pick and choose which one's which because we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. But I just... I think it promotes a little bit of easy way out and not, not fighting through adversity for some... Like you said, Evan, these are kids, right? These are 18, yeah. 19, 20-year-old kids. Who knows who's advising them? Um, 
what kind of life lessons are they getting from this portal? What kind of, you know, does that, you know, and a lot of it has to do with, with the staff, right? Like you got some old school coaches, Adam, you mentioned Purdue, you mentioned Michigan state, you know, not have not been super, super portal friendly. Well, that's Matt Painter and Tom Izzo who are some tough, hard nosed old school coaches, mm-hmm. yeah, right? Like yeah, yeah. you want to take the easy way out, go ahead, but we're building from within. We're building a culture. We're building foundation. If you want to buy into our culture and our cloth, Come here. If you don't, you know, don't. So it's just not. And then you look at Brand, Brad Underwood on the other end. He's literally had to retool his roster every year from the portal, right? Yeah. Um, they don't have a culture right now because of what he's done in the portal. Yeah. Let's talk about that. You, you got Sky Clark. He is one, a top 25 freshman coming in. I think some people dubbed him as a freshman a year. He transferred out, like, what, 13 games in? Yeah. To Louisville, and then R.J. Melendez. He was he came here from what Baylor? Is it from Baylor or no? No, R.J. Melendez was he was a freshman sophomore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. He had a pretty good some pretty big games this year and everything. Uh, was an intricate part. And he's out too, which is crazy. And the last one was uh, Jay Neps. Yeah, Jay. Yeah. Nepps. So some surprises there. The Sky Clark one was early on in the season, and I think it kind of threw everybody for a loop because, like you said, Evan, he was uh, such a heralded recruit, originally committed to Kentucky and then came to Illinois. So Illinois fans were ecstatic about, you know, the potential and expectations for him. And it sounded like early on he left the team and had some personal issues and everybody kind of just, you know, gave him his time and then came out a few weeks later that he was, in fact, transferring and entering the portal. And you know what? The team conquered that hurdle and that adversity throughout the season, and Jaden Epps, emerged as probably the best freshman in that class um, and had a great, a fantastic freshman year. Like when I watched him this year at Illinois, it was one of those guys, and I don't want to compare him to D Brown, but like a guy that like, listen, if this kid with the numbers he's producing as a freshman, like if he stays and has a four-year career at Illinois, he can be one of the, the best point guards to, to come through Illinois. Um, and then RJ Melendez was a kid that had a pretty solid freshman year Fans were really excited about him. He was one of those kids that was like, all right, he's going to make this freshman to sophomore year jump that you see. You know, it's like he's going to have more expectations on him. He was kind of the key cog to the team that, like, if he makes this jump that some guys do from freshman to sophomore year, he has a chance to be really good and the team can, can, can take off. Well, he did the opposite, right? He didn't have a good sophomore year. Um, expectations were high. He didn't shoot well. Um, he just never could get going. Um, so now all three guys enter the portal. So they're losing arguably three of their most talented guys. Um, Terrence Shannon Jr. and and, um, and Matt Meyer, who came in from Baylor, who were great pickups in the portal as far as basketball goes, but weren't great pickups as far as chemistry and culture goes, yeah. are now gone too. So, um, yeah, he's got to retool his whole roster again, which is crazy after he just did that last year. Yeah, that's great. Kendall, you think uh, your boys in Minnesota be able to pick up uh, some of these guys from Illinois, keep them inside the Big Ten? I don't know if Minnesota's going to be. You guys are looking to retool right. a bit. We we need to. No, we need we'll, a we'll talk. Go ahead. I'm saying talk about the loss of uh, you know Jameson Battle in that situation. Yeah, I think the Jameson Battle situation is interesting. I feel like normally you should be upset about it, maybe. Um, as like coming from me, especially seeing him going the Big Ten, I think that might be the only thing that gives us a little like, couldn't you transfer outside of the Big Ten? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how you guys feel about that. Yeah, but yeah. Within yeah. the Big Ten, I just feel like coming from our, like, imagine when we played, right? Or, you know, Adam, anybody you've seen, like, transferring a major, like, that was an all Big Ten caliber player as well, not just someone who was a freshman, didn't get any playing time. So this is an all Big Ten caliber player who's made all Big Ten teams transferring within the conference. I think that felt a little different. Um, I mean, I'll be completely honest. Like, alumni, we were in a group chat. Some were like, yo, like, what the hell is going on? You know what I mean? Like, who would do that? Like, yeah. that's like us going to Indiana back in there. So it was just like some of the teams we hated, like, um, as long as it's not yeah. Wisconsin, though, don't do that. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, him him going there, though, it's I'm happy for him just because I love J-Mo. Like, he's a good dude. He's worked his ass off. He's helped. I wouldn't say rebuild the program as we came in dead last. I'm not going to act like we're doing <laughs> anything great. But what he has done is Ben Johnson's trying to build a foundation. And Jamison was one of his first recruits 
to show like, hey, I can be an all Big Ten player their first year. They overachieve. So he's been someone to really help just kind of build that foundation. And I know the players all respect him. And, you know, they respect this is probably what's best for him. He's got one more year, but we're trying to really rebuild there and rebuild young in Minnesota. So we're going we're gonna to figure out what's next. Um, it's been very slow in the transfer portal, though, for us. I'll, I'll be real. It's been very slow in the transfer portal. We need to go pick someone up soon. We missed out on a few. We've got a guy coming from Pepperdine. You never know with a West Coast Conference guard coming to the Big Ten. That's a completely different type of game. But we're gonna, I think we're going to see a lot of this trial and error now with this transfer portal. Like seeing guys from a completely different style of a West Coast Conference. Can they come into the Big Ten and play? Is the Big Ten still even the Big Ten? You know what I mean? Like, is it that powerhouse type conference? Are we going to start moving towards more of a up and down type conference? Like, if you look at it, you've got Penn State with a new coach with Mike Rose. He's coming from VCU. They go up and down. He's brought in like four recruits. They're all quick, fast. Like, so we never we never know what's going to happen. All the conferences, like the identities, we might have a whole identity conference. I, I mean, identity crisis, I think, with these conferences to, to figure it out. So I think that's what we're trying to figure out now in Minnesota is like, what is our identity going to be? And what do we need to do to compete at a higher level? Um, last year it sucked. Like coming in last place is bad. I don't know if any of you guys like. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen your team coming in last place in a while. Like back when I played, it was Penn State every year. But like now we're looking at it and it's us. It's it's pretty terrible. So it's bad. But you know we've got we've got a great recruit coming in. Um, and Cam Christie, Max Christie's little brother. He's a he's a dog. Um, I'm super excited about shout him. Shout out Illinois Wolves. Yeah, yeah. Shout out <laughs> Illinois. Exactly. A lot of people. I thought he might go there, Michigan State. Like, I was surprised, but I think that shows, like, what Ben Johnson is, like, as a as a recruiter and as a coach. Like, he's a real player's coach, man, and I trust and believe in him, but our fan base is very isn't – we're not patient with it right now. And, I mean, if you look and you see last place, mm-hmm. like, you don't have time to be listening for, like, the excuses and the details, so I understand them. But, yeah, we've got a great recruit coming in. Um, we had another good recruit coming in, Dennis Evans, but – we lost him to Louisville, just like uh, your friend Sky Clark went down to Louisville. So I'll say, like, Louisville and some of these other conferences and schools, like, they're hot. Are. They're hot. They're pulling some guys. So we just need to figure out how to compete, man. Like, that's that's it. We got to figure out how to compete on the NIL standpoint, on the transfer portal standpoint, and on the court. Yeah. It's just, it's just not a level, level playing field, right, as far as, like, the bigger schools with the bigger brands that have yeah. had success recently – can literally go plug and play the top players in the portal with their roster, right? Is that is that terribly? Oh, yeah, for sure. Sorry. No, it's not terrible, but I mean, for sure. But like, Adam, sorry for cutting you off, but when you break it down, I think I think some of the low major schools are like clapping their hands and like, yeah, perfect. So like now when it's coming down to it, some, uh, let's just say like the best school in the Horizon League, it's like, yo, we could probably take out the bottom six of the Big Ten. You know what I'm saying? And now that's making better for tournament play. You know what I'm saying? And then when it's coming down for there, now you're getting – you might get a, a FDU with a, with a couple transfers or a FAU with a couple transfers now. Now you're seeing more schools kind of, you know, the margin kind of closes the gap in a sense. There's no longer – we're the powerhouse more so than, like, it's just them and they. You know what I'm saying? I don't think it's bad for college basketball. Go ahead, Adam. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, I wonder how different, like, if the if the haves are continuing to be the haves, and there's a, the, there's the delineation between the haves and the have-nots, like in some ways, it's kind of how the sport's always been. I feel like this is just kind of maybe bringing it right. more to the forefront and maybe putting a little bit more in our faces. But like, you know, we're kidding ourselves if we think that like Duke and Kentucky and Kansas and those teams aren't going to get the best players, whether it's the portal or recruiting or you know dropping a bag somewhere. Like that's just kind of how the sport has always worked. And so I think what we're seeing now is it's just much more in our faces. Like. It's just legal right, now. Right, exactly. Exactly, yeah. That's just, No, I mean, yeah. it's been going on for 35 right. years. It's just now right. it's on, yeah. you can go into an a internet thing and click it, and now it's right. legal. Yeah, no lie. Well, Adam, who do you think has been some of, the top, uh, some of the top guys to transfer into the Big Ten? You know, there's a couple. Like, I'm really interested. The, uh, the guy that Wisconsin got, um, A.J. Store, I think is how you say it. Like, you know, that's a team that yeah. we talk about building through the portal or building via recruiting. Like, they pretty much bring everybody back from a team that was decent last year. 
I mean, there's pros and cons with rolling it back with the same group, but I think he's a really interesting piece that I think if you take that same core that maybe does what it did last year and then you add his ability, like I'm I'm a little bit higher on Wisconsin um, than maybe I would have been. I'm really intrigued by Caleb Love to Michigan. I mean, I don't I don't know what that looks yeah. like, but like a dude might take 20 shots a game and the whole season might fall on his shoulders. Like I don't I don't know. Um, and I like you know Ace Baldwin going to to Penn State. You know we talked about them and kind of the pace that they play at. But like there's uh, he's really highly rated and like every one of these recruiting or transfer lists that you see. So I'm really interested to see what that looks like. I want to see Jameson battle at Ohio State. You know, he didn't he took a step back a little bit last year. He wasn't the same player. Um I don't Ohio State, I don't think they need him to be a go-to guy, but they need him to get them some buckets and make some shots and stretch the floor. Does he do that? I, I think uh, you know, there's enough of a trajectory, you say probably. Um, but I'm really interested to see that fit um that fit. Those are some of the guys kind of at the top of my list. And oh um Khalil Ware uh going to Indiana. You know, you got to do there that is just He's he's got the tools, you know. It's been interesting how much over his career people have been willing to publicly say he doesn't have the drive or the motor or whatever. Like that's been the narrative around him for a long time. So, does Mike Woodson get that out of him? Does he step into that void that Illinois, or that Indiana suddenly has? Like he's got a heck of a lot of talent. Um, it's just it's really interesting because you got a lot of these guys where I don't know how many of them you say, man, that's a that's a home run, you know, slam dunk get. But some guys that I think make some really interesting additions that maybe can take a team from middle of the pack to, you know, maybe in contention for a title. Yeah. I, Do you think I, it ever changes? Like, is sorry, Kendall. No, I go ahead. I was just going to ask everybody. Like, do you think how does this portal change? Like. Are there going to end up being restrictions? Like you can't transfer within the same conference, or like, do you think there's ever going to be any kind of changes or tweaks to how it currently is? I, I can't see. I, I mean, because it's tough to restrict. I felt like restrict the kid from making a certain decision based on athletic reasons alone. I feel like that's just against some type of rule. You know what I mean? But yeah, I, I agree. I yeah, I don't know how you tweak it, man. I really, I really do not know how you tweak it. I, I, I really don't. It's a wild, wild west right now. Yeah, when I transferred in 2011, I did the graduate transfer thing, but I had restrictions. Like our oh. AD at our institution at Bradley said that I could not transfer within conference, oh. and I could not transfer to anybody on the schedule the following year. Hmm. Yeah, really. So I wasn't able to talk to any of those schools, and that's because of what the institution decided which is kind of was kind of crap right now i wouldn't have transferred anywhere in conference but was that was that before they made the rule of, of allowing you to transfer then they make a rule re- recently like when you're allowed to transfer in the same conference and like get a scholarship and not sit out like two years or something like that uh, i'm not sure i just uh, i had the uh, year of eligibility and my yeah. only restrictions were that i couldn't That's crazy to release this is what it was in order for bradley to release me from my scholarship and release me to talk to other schools, I had to agree not to transfer in conference or anybody on the schedule. I could see that. Happen. Right. So I could see that happening. Like, like I think Adam said, but how do you control that? Right. That was, that was my question. Yeah, I don't, I think they'll think be like Adam said earlier, employment contracts, the employment contracts, I think will probably, it'll probably be a line item. I think the letter of intent like a non-compete contracts. Yeah. It'll be a non-compete just, what they did to you, Sam, now we're going to see that school is going to have that on paper. They're going to look at their schedules yep. and it'll be probably one year contracts and they'll have like different specifics. But yeah, we probably we probably see that coming into play now more like <laughs> players are going to need people to look over these contracts as well, too. Like it's not just signing and being happy, too. They'll need representation probably, too. Man, that's serious. It, it sounds like a real pro thing. It, it really does. Yeah. And. <laughs> Yeah. It, no, it totally does. Sounds like. I mean, how long is college? Around? How how long? Not saying that. I think college sports will always be around, but like when you break it down, is this is this overseas with education? You know what I mean? And it's interesting too. Like the whole collective world, you know, still trying to get a feel for what that all looks like. But like you know that there's no athletic department that's happy about a setup where money is going to an outside organization that is then going to their players that they can sort of work with, but they can't really direct and they can't use it as a, as an indictment or a, a, you know, an inducement, like 
come here, we're recruiting you, this is what you're going to get. Like, there's no athletic department that is comfortable with letting other organizations have control over their athletes. So I've got to think that as we get, as this thing goes along, like, that just becomes part of the university and whether that's they absorb the collectives yeah. or everything just goes through the university. And like, yeah, there's contracts and, you know, that's going to be a really hard sell for a lot of people who just cannot envision a world where college athletes are paid employees. But I mean, that's basically what we're dealing with right now, just not in name. I think that's if you're going to sil- um, you know, simplify this process at all and make it streamlined or make it less chaotic, like, it's going to be multi-year contracts and everything going through the university. That's that's where I think it's headed. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I think it's a I think that's a good segue um into kind of this final little segment. I think we just jump right onto this word on campus that we're already talking about. Uh and I think it is the transfer portal. I think it's overall it's the current state of college basketball. Uh ET you just alluded to it like is it turned into overseas with education? Um, I, I want to hear your guys' opinions on it, like your real raw opinions on the state of college basketball and specifically where do you feel it's going and how do you feel about it? You know, reason I say it, like we've seen a lot in the news lately, stuff that's really been out there, guys like a Dick Vitale, um, even guys within our conference like a Fran McCaffrey, they've gone on record and kind of given their opinions on where they see this is all headed and you know why they feel how they feel and i think we've all had great conversation around it you know we all know the importance of adversity we all also know the importance of players having their own power to make decisions for themselves as well too so i want to hear from you guys uh i'm opening it up to you adam i'm gonna let i feel like et's got a lot of stuff to say and sam as well so let me let you guys get your thoughts together i'm gonna open up to you guys how do, you, yeah. how do you feel about it, man? You, you've been seeing it for years. Where do you feel it's going and how do you feel about it going there? I mean, I think it's it's exciting because I feel like things are changing and I think it's it's neat to be part of an era where we're all going to look back on this and say that was a transformational time for the sport. And I think, um, like I said, it, it's, it's helping from an exposure standpoint right now that we're talking about, I mean, what would we have talked about on this podcast four years ago this time of year? Like, I don't know what what about the recruits that'll be on campuses in six months and like what's the it, it gives us real important like things to talk about right now and so I think it it helps from an exposure standpoint I think it hurts from a continuity standpoint and I hear it from fans all the time that they don't know who's on a roster you know I one of the most read things that I write every year at the beginning of the season is who's on the roster like our subscribers at the dispatch will who live in Columbus and follow Ohio State don't always know that. Like that's just that's the the world that this is turning into, and so I think there's some debt or there's you know that hurts to an extent, but um, you know I still think at the end of the day, whoever's on these rosters, like you're still going to care about your alma mater, you're still going to care about that program that you were rooting for ten years ago, twenty years ago, whatever. That's never going away, and so the interest is always going to be there. Um, you know how many times have we heard over the last few years that this is going to be the death knell of college basketball, whether it's this league, that league, this rule, that rule. Like, we always hear it. College basketball is always going to be here, and I think it's always going to have the attention of, of the public. It's just right now trying to figure out, like, how that all fits together is, it, like I said, it's it's fascinating to me in my job because there's so many new things to write about. Yeah, I think it's I – th- I think the we're really seeing – it's always been – so, listen, college basketball has always been a business, Right. right. I didn't know it when I was in 2007 going to play college basketball. It was more about the authenticity. I was an athlete. I was wanted to be the best player I could possibly be. I made it to the Division One level. Um, I didn't never thought about the business of college basketball back here. But now the business of college basketball is exposed, right? Like you said, Adam, like everybody knows it because of social media and because of the transfer portal. Um, everybody knows now that college basketball is a business, right? So the average consumer... Um, I think it takes a little bit, it takes away a little bit of the authenticity of what kind of we grew up in probably of college basketball. But like you said, people are still going to pay attention because it presents a new, it presents a new unknown and a new excitement um, about the teams getting different players every year. And, and like you said, your, your, your fans from your Indiana's, your Ohio State, your Illinois fans are always going to be Illinois and Indiana and Ohio State fans, right? Um it's just it's just a little different for me personally looking at it. It's just it's more business oriented. 
um, and it's not totally authentic school pride type. Like I want to go to Illinois and I want to be there for four years. I'm going to be, you know, it's going to be what I'm remembered as. There's none of that anymore. I don't think. I agree. Yeah, I don't. Um, no, I really don't have an answer on where it will go. You know, be honest with you. Um, I hope it sticks around. Uh, you know, just dealing with NIL or, you know, being part of NIL groups. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, it, it's a part of alumni right now to try to keep those players in. But I think eventually it's going to have to move. I just want to see the NCAA, you know, open up, you know, more of themselves and more of the money to, you know, really help pay the players. And it really is a business. So I, I want to see the players get a percentage from every Final Four, from in, every NCAA run, from every tournament run, from every invitational and all that other cool stuff. So I, I think that's that's what's going to be, you know, the next step, I guess. Does does the NCAA exist in seven years? Or do the I, what, power conferences with all this, that have all the resources, create their own college basketball, you know, yeah. league or whatever you want to call it, and the mid-majors and low-majors are, you know, is, does the NCAA exist? I, I don't know. It might be different in yeah, different no, sports. You're right. um, yeah, I, I Sorry, the the just the the money that is still coming in through the TV contracts for college basketball, and you know that's for like what the next nine ten years, the, the billions of dollars. Yeah. Like, the NCAA will exist if only to put on the NCAA tournament and fulfill those contracts at least through that point for college basketball. Right. Yeah. And then I, I mean, when JJ Reddit said it like four or five years ago, I was like, "Dang, the NCAA is coming to an end." And then like it's still around. So I, I think the NCAA will be here, but. Of course, Adam, you're correct. Like, that could be another thing. Yeah, I, it could be here. It could be here. But, yeah, I agree with all your points. I mean, you guys said it best, really. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to force a lot of adults to step their games up. I think, E.T., to your point yeah. earlier, I think for a long time it's been this business it's been these coaches that have kind of done shady stuff. Maybe within the NCAA, there's been shady stuff. There's been a lot of stuff where I think there's been laziness around really developing this. And now, like, it's all in front of us. We see the business. Players see their brand value. Like you said, ET, like, now they're going to start figuring out how to negotiate ways to get percentage of Final Fours they make it to and things of that nature. Like we talked about earlier, Colleges are going to need to start putting in general managers to really manage these players and develop these players the right way and to to keep them around and to keep the rosters healthy. Um, and then the NCAA is going to have to figure it out. I think they, like you said, they have about an eight or nine year window where they can figure this thing out. Until that TV rights deal is done, I 100% could see the Power Five conferences live golf in this thing and going in their own TV rights deal <laughs> and making it happen because they could. They could do that. So I think it just forces that I, I don't want to see that, but I think it does force the hand to the NCAA um, to make some decisions that are better for the game. I think it forces parents, you know, to make better decisions as well, too. Um, I think that's the only fear I have around all this is the whole adversity piece. Coming from somebody who deals with youth basketball players a lot, who's trained youth basketball players a lot, it's not the kids that are a problem right now when I'm training them or when I'm mentoring them or developing them. And that's what my coaches say as well. It's the parents. And like when we talk about like just running from adversity, a lot of the time I think it's going to be these parents that are going to, you know, do that in these situations. So, yeah, we're going to see it being like a wild, wild west. But we can also see more sound decisions from these players if the parents and the people around them also are better about it and better about this entire thing. But yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a reason to blame these kids for what's going on. I think the reason why we're in this spot is because the NCAA knew this was a problem when we were writing sport management papers about this decades ago. Like, we knew this was a problem. We knew athletes were going to get paid. They had plenty of time to prepare for this, and now they aren't prepared, and now everyone's like, oh, it's the athletes' fault. They're leaving for money. College is over. Well, no. The adults need to figure this out and figure out how to make this work. Otherwise, it's going to turn into the OTEs of the world and the Power Five conference live golf type things of the world, in my opinion. Yeah, and 15 years ago, I was called a student athlete. That was the term used for... I haven't seen student athlete used probably at all in the last two years, which is fine. I mean, I, but it's just, it's just different, right? You know, I mean, it's, 
it's like you said, Evan, it's like almost overseas without the education in a sense. Yeah, it, it's, uh, I mean, how does that transferring that easily, how does that affect a curriculum, a kid, you know what I mean, that is picked a major at one school or whatnot? And I'm not Mr. Yeah. Education by any means. Don't oh, get no, me wrong. Absolutely. And, like, no, you're right. Fuck it. There's a lot of times I wasn't in class, but um, <laughs> I just, it just, like you said, Kendall, like the parents, this is, it's, it's tough for them to navigate to now, right? Because you've got a lot of, of, of parents that kids are, are, they're really into being a student too. And their parents want them to get an education and graduate in four years or whatnot. And, um, that throws another mix in this kind of stuff, you know? It's, uh, it's, it's wild, bro. It's truly wild. All, all I want to say is that I wish I was a senior in high school now that was going to be a division one athlete. And not that I didn't enjoy my time from 2007 to 2011 in college, but it seems kind of fun right now for a if you were a top recruit. Nah, but you know it's always fun when when you're like wandering around like young and dumb. So uh, <laughs> we we're 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 playing big time basketball for free. Yeah, and, willing, and like I broke my back doing it, and you tore up your ankle doing it. <laughs> and, yeah, I wouldn't was, trade that for anything. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And like during that time, like we both do well, and we're both okay, and like. I think we truly, we known each other since we were like 14. We learned a lot from it, but I, I think those battles are what make you. And like sticking around in like the old way is, you know, what really made me tough and, and, and made me who I am. And uh, hopefully, you know, you know uh, obviously the game's going to be changed, but I, I hope the, the kids are able to learn their toughness and learn like those lessons that are necessary and what the game of basketball was taught and sports was meant for. You know, full hardly along with making money. You know, when money comes in, everything kind of gets messed up. But, you know, you, you can only be a kid for so long. And, and these are like the glory days before, uh, like what Billy Haywood said in a uh, little big league. Sports are for kids. Adults just ruin them. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, you built a lot that. of scar tissue those years <laughs> growing up and, and playing college basketball. And I. I could sit here and say that there's a lot of parallels and lessons I learned that that parallel with me right now in my life 15 years later that I use still, you know. So I hope that doesn't go away for these kids. Me either. Me either. All right, fellas. Well, man, I think that's I think that's a great way to end it. I appreciate your time. Thank you, everybody, for listening. First episode, Portal Talk. It's going to be fun. Like I said, this was a great conversation. I think it's going to provoke a lot more conversations but sam adam et appreciate you fellas man i love getting on with brilliant basketball minds i always learn something i learned something today so i appreciate you fellas everybody thank you for listening the good people at new amendment appreciate you for putting this on all the time for portal talk i'm kendall shell we'll see you guys later beyond the big 10 is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things big 10 We cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders, our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now.